come Lord Jesus. I pray Father today we hear your voice we will open the door and you will sup with us your promise you will always keep I pray Lord today doors will be opened ears will be opened hearts will believe and we will move one more step in this journey of faith to God It's a journey that began with you. It's a journey. Every step is in you. And only finish in you. Help us to put aside everything else. Whatever concerns life. Everything else. Strengthen our mortal bodies. Those who are weak. Those who are sick. Those who are tired. Touch them Lord. Touch, touch, touch. Help them, Father. Help all of us to hear from you, to learn of you, because you are meek and lowly. Give us a humble and a contrite spirit that we can receive your word. Speak, Father, this month, first Sunday. Speak, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember we've been looking over the weeks over the kingdom of God, His righteousness, justice. If you, if you miss those sessions, this is your first time over here. It's a webpage is there. All the messages are there, but each message will be complete in itself. The message outside in the world is about Repenting and getting into the kingdom of God, it's about salvation. The message within the body of Christ is how God's people grow, mature and fulfill the will and the purpose of God in their lives. So this morning we will turn first to Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 4 and 5. Take away the dross from the silver and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. The message God has to tell his children is always the same. You see, the struggle people when they are young, like we all did when we were young, the questions we ask and the questions I hear from young ones, perceptive ones everywhere, the young ones is us. I want to know the will of God for my life. It's a wonderful desire. It's a wonderful question. The thing is that God's will has two parts. One that is common to all of us. The general will of God. Then there is a specific will of God. Specific will I cannot tell you. I can only hear for myself. I cannot tell you. I can maybe confirm after God has spoken to you if he tells me. But the general will of God, I can definitely tell you from the word of God. The problem is, if you do not know, understand and adhere to the general will of God, usually never, no one ever finds the specific will of God in their lives. Notice for a fact, if we understand and walk in the general will of God, 
the specific becomes clearer and clearer as you walk with God. So here scripture says, take the dross away from the silver. Take it away. And then, once the dross is taken away from silver, then the silver will go to the jeweler and silversmith and he will make it to an ornament. Take the wicked away from the king and his throne will be established in righteousness. It's a message of sanctification. If we want to be used as a vessel, as an ornament by God, then by the divine silversmith, then God says, allow me to work in you. Let me sanctify you. Let me remove that wickedness, that sin, that iniquity from your lives so that my throne can be established in righteousness in each one of our lives. That's what Jesus meant, the simplest, most well-known, yet the most deep words for me in the Sermon on the Mount which holds everything else together. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of two parts. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's like a mathematical equation. Seek ye first and then the bracket. Kingdom of God plus his righteousness. Okay. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first his righteousness. You know, connected with, that's not the message, but connected with seeking first his kingdom. Let me tell you, first his kingdom. Kingdom always means authority. In the Bible, it is not talking so much, when it connects with God, it is not so much talking about a place. When God says the kingdom of God is within you, it is talking about his kingdom with power, with authority has come into us. Then again, we hear, we always hear in messages and we know it so well and we hear it even in prayer as Brother Ashok prayed today. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. When we say, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be lifted up. But God says, how do I humble myself? That's the biggest question. We all know this. Humble yourself, God will lift you. Grace is given to the humble, all that we know. But what is humility in the Bible? Humility in the Bible is simple. It's submission to the authority of God. Simple, as simple as that. Submission to the authority of God and every authority God has placed over us. For the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he didn't do any ministry. He didn't heal one sick. He didn't preach one message. 30 years living in his home, under the authority of his parents, when he comes out after baptism, the first thing God says is, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What pleased the father? The son was showing us and to the father, I submit to your authority when I submit to every authority placed over me by you. Every authority. Submit to every authority placed. That's humility. People may sometimes see it as pride. But God sees it as humility. Remember when David went to the battlefield with bread for his brothers and he heard Goliath 
and his heart was stirred up and he was willing to fight Goliath when he spoke his words. His brothers were offended. They said, you are very proud. But he was very humble. He was a humble man. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that you dare defy the armies of the living God? He's a man under authority. He understood the authority of God. And he was looking at the Israelite army all shaking in fear. So humility, like I said last Sunday, do not ever confuse humility with servility. We are as a nation, a servile people because of 300 years of colonization. We are not humble. It's there in our psyche. It's there in a psyche. God did not call us to be servile. He called us to be humble. Don't mistake one for the other. Jesus was meek and lowly. He was not servile. You need to have seen him going, in, going into that temple with that whip made of gods. You wouldn't call him meek. But God said, son, you are meek. You are meek. You are a man under authority. Don't confuse humility with something else. Humility is the strength of God under God's control. Okay, reason, Hebrews 1.8 says, the scepter to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and forever. A scepter of your righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Scepter denotes authority. The scepter of your kingdom is righteousness. And righteousness cannot come unless there is justice. Justice cannot come unless there is judgment. Judgment cannot come unless there is the truth or the law. And truth and the law, when you and I hear, we have to bend our knee. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. One day, you are right. Blessed are those who do it now. Okay, Don't wait for an angel to break your knees. Just do it voluntarily now. That's the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we, as God's people, like I said, the ministry within the body of Christ is this ministry of sanctification. This is the whole life of a child of God. Whatever else we may fail to do, we cannot fail to do the will of God in our life. Know this. You cannot, I cannot fail to do the will of God because Jesus himself said not everyone who says Lord, Lord, but he who does the will of God will enter into the kingdom. Heaven and earth will pass away, the world will pass away, the desires of the world passes away, but he who does the will of God lives forever. This is the will of God that we should do the will of God. So if we can keep the general will of God the specific becomes more and more clear. The first part of the general will of God for the whole world is explained by Peter in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Has some count slackness. Why is Lord? Why are you not coming? Why are you not coming? 2,000 years are over the reason. But it's long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is the general will of God concerning the world? Please, I don't want anybody perishing. As many as possible. He wants God. God, 
in his goodness in his kindness in his mercy he wants everyone to be saved everyone won't be saved but he wants everyone to be saved because there is free will involved we will not submit to the will of god many will not submit to the will of god by exercising the very free will god gave them to choose it's sad god does not want anyone to perish but that all should come to repentance that's the first the first that's the first call of the kingdom remember john when he begins in matthew 3 you will see in those days john the baptist came preaching in the wilderness of judea saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand little later in 417 you will see jesus starting up from that time jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of god is here repent means 180 degrees turn around turn around through the week you turn back to the world and sunday morning i have to there is no power steering here that's why one and a half hours i have to turn you back to god and to his kingdom some churches they have power steering for five minutes word is over nobody has turned because you go back to the world and we have to turn you back to the king and the kingdom turn in and get why why because repent why for the kingdom of god is at hand he's saying it's not an option i'm giving you it's not it's literally a choice between life and death light and darkness that's why the urgency of the gospel for 2000 years repent and get in repent and get in because once the kingdom manifests physically you're finished you're finished we are finished if you haven't got in it's like noah's time by the time the door is shut it's over then it doesn't matter what you do you're doomed So to those who received this message genuinely received this message comes a second call first you have to receive this first call repent and enter the kingdom of god is here to those who have entered the second call in second thessalonians for this is the will of god your sanctification this is sanctification your cleansing your separation your purification that you should abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel body in sanctification and in honor yeah verse 5 not in passion of lust like the gentiles who do not know god that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified for god did not call us to uncleanness but to holiness he called us to holiness in first corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 scripture says do you not know that you are the temple of god you the whole self body soul and spirit spirit soul and body that the temple of god dwells in you if anyone defiles the temple of god god will destroy him for the temple of god is holy which temple you are do you take we do we take this seriously young people young people sitting over here let me tell you take it seriously the young ones who are on this journey just started this journey because these messages make sense only to those who have truly received the first one 
and entered into the kingdom. If you have not entered into the kingdom and you receive the second message without receiving the first one, it is actually dangerous. Why? Because God is looking for transformation. He's not looking for reformation. Reformation is outside. Transformation is inside. From inside to outside it should come. Not just outside. You read back history. You read history. The Puritans in UK, in England, Great Britain. Oliver Cromwell became prime minister. Monarchy was abolished. Twelve years of Cromwell's rule. The Puritans took over every kind of public display of sports, leisure, entertainment. Everything was banned. All bars were shut down. Nothing. The whole nation turned holy overnight. Outwardly. That was reformation. Twelve years later, Cromwell was dead. The kings were back. Great Britain went into one of the worst periods in its spiritual history. It was worse than pagans. The people indulged in everything possible after that. Why? Because reformation doesn't change anybody. Transformation does. If you receive the second message without receiving the first one, it is dangerous. That's what happened to the children of Israel. Outwardly, they received the law. But then when prosperity came, all restraints were off. All restraints were off. Why? Because deep inside there was no real conviction that this offends God. This hurts God. If there is transformation inside and then you fall, then you are like David, crying out in your misery, Lord, I have hurt you. Pull me out of this mess. Pull me out of this mess. It's connected with the relationship. It's not with anything to do with something outward. That's why Jesus said, it is written, the whole law and the prophets hang on this. What is that? Love your God with all your heart, with all your might, all your strength. If we really do not love God and we come to church and we hear the word, we tend towards reformation and not transformation. Because the Spirit of God is not able to touch our inside. You need to know, many, many people, many, many people, also, those who know God, the other side, the Holy Spirit has stopped convicting of issues, which are issues important for God, but has stopped convicting because they have consistently grieved Him in those areas and they have quenched his fire. That's the warning in First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not put out the spirit's fire. Because this is connected with sanctification. This is not connected with salvation. But salvation has a completely different threefold meaning. The second part is sanctification. There is a twofold promise of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. John answered and saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but the one mightier than me is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, the term used is and not or, Holy Spirit and fire. John's baptism can only temporarily deal with sin. 
the holy spirit's baptism of fire will deal with it permanently illustration peter calls john's baptism or the baptism of water a antitype a type of noah's ark did noah's ark go through the waters come through the waters right then when the ark comes out of the water and the family comes out of the water what do you see next a little later father is drunk father is lying naked son sees the nakedness goes outside and reports the father curses the generations why the baptism of water can cleanse you in a way from your sin it does not give you power to destroy sin that the baptism of fire does that's what jesus is actually echoing in luke chapter 12 and verse 49 i came to send fire on the earth and how i wish it were already kindled he's not talking about the final fire of destruction he's talking about the fire of his holy spirit falling upon his people which will destroy sin the flesh destroy from the request of john and james When they come and kneel before Jesus make this request Mark 10 verses 35 to 40 then James and John came to Zebedee came to him saying teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask they are just like children you know our children will come and do tell us the same thing when they are small whatever i ask you must give me what is that no i won't tell you whatever i ask you must give me because we know what they will ask we'll say okay whatever you ask and they will say i want a full bar of chocolate okay take it these two guys two children whatever we ask want you to do whatever we ask he said what do you want me to do for you what do you want me to do for you what do they say they said to him grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory and your glory comes when you this is all only kingdom has glory not kingdom has authority and submission okay when your kingdom comes in glory James saying I want to sit on your right John on the left or John on your right I on your left Peter and all father ever but we want to be the first that's what we want to ask you know Jesus said you do not know what you ask are you able to drink the cup i drink and be baptized with the baptism that i am baptized with he says you want to sit next to me can you go through the fire you want power you want authority you want glory can you drink can you go through that baptism you went through john's baptism can you go through mine they said we are able we are able and jesus sees into their end and says actually yes you will indeed drink the cup that i drink and with the baptism i am baptized with you will be baptized yes i see you will but to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give that's for the for those who are prepared this is what everyone desires and that's also what is promised not on the left and right but you can overcome and reign but jesus says there is a baptism for that please don't misunderstand we are not speaking about the baptism of fire today okay everybody is excited now but that's what you ask for that's what you ask for you really want to overcome this flesh because when the dross is removed 
we become a vessel of honor or an ornament in the hand of the silversmith useful for the master the flesh has to be destroyed has to be consumed remember when the sun came last christmas i preached on that a different message altogether from hebrews 10 when jesus came in the flesh therefore when he came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire you did not desire sacrifice or offering but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure then i said behold i have come in the volume of the book it is written to me to do your will o god to do your will o god a body you have prepared for me and in the volume of your book it is written to do your will o god i have come what did jesus come for to do the will of his father it is twofold one personal jesus came god gave him a body and he took that body and in that body fulfilled the will of god in his life how did he fulfill the will of god he said in the volume of the book it is written from the beginning till the end what is the law of god what is the truth of god how should it be lived how should man live under the authority of god he says i came to do that and show man that is prophetic that is personal about jesus prophetic a body you have prepared for me after that his body the church there will be a remnant in every generation who would have fulfilled god's purpose in their lives and kept his whole will every generation there is a remnant that's why the bible talks consistently about a remnant in every age who understood and is said lord i offer myself my body to do your will I believe from the 2000 gener- 2000 years 20 25 generations will ultimately become the bride and the rest the bridesmaids better to be a bridesmaid than to sit outside as a beggar right so either way it doesn't matter but it should matter christ will always have a remnant please remember don't you be sit in churches in the cities and we think we are cats whiskers Sometimes you go to the villages and see their heart for God and their cry for God and the willingness to suffer for his name sake will put us to shame. They don't think IT MZ nothing it is Christ 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 alone. So if I don't teach you this I'll be held guilty by God. Whether you receive or not is not my problem that's up to each one. My job is to teach the whole counsel of God as Paul told the church in Ephesians I have taught you the whole counsel of God so I am not guilty of any man's blood So Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to god which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is at good and acceptable and perfect will of god 
he says, I beseech you, brethren. He's begging. After 11 chapters of going through Gentiles, the law, the grace, the doctrines, the mercy, the kindness, the compassion of God, setting precept upon precept, stage by stage, the doctrines of Christ, when he comes to chapter 12, finally he says, I beg you. I beg you. He says, in the light of Christ's incredible, unbelievable sacrifice, from birth to death, from the wooden trough to the wooden cross, he says, he surrendered his entire body, his entire life to the will of God, so that he could redeem his bride. He says, therefore, it is our reasonable service. The least we can do in return for somebody who loved us so much and gave up everything for our sake. I beseech you, brethren. I beseech you, brethren. He's begging. He says, I beseech you, brethren. This Christmas season, instead of giving gifts to each other, let's give him a gift. Let us offer to him. Scripture says, our reasonable service. What is that? He says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. The first thing he says over is that you present. Who present? You present. He said it's voluntary. As Jesus' sacrifice was voluntary. Did we ask us? No, he came on his own. It is absolutely voluntary. Everything in the kingdom of God is voluntary. There is no coercion. There might be exhortation, encouragement, warnings, everything, but everything is voluntary. When Jesus came also, he said, I have come to do your will. He says, it's voluntary, it's up to you. But he says, you present. When Saul of Tarsus met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he knew it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he understood that it was Jesus he had been persecuting, his first cry is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? So God says, present your bodies. Offer your bodies. Romans 6.13 will put it even more graphically, clearly. Do not present. Do not present your members of your body has instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being made alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now it's getting more detailed. Paul will say in Romans 12, 1, offer your bodies, present your bodies. Romans 6, 13, he will say, yield present or offer the instruments of your bodies as instruments of righteousness. He says voluntarily, each day, offer the instruments of your body. We looked at last few weeks, offer your first thing he wants is your tongue. He doesn't want anything else. But the first thing he wants is tongue because he says tongue is your steering wheel. Your life is decided by your tongue. Therefore he says, first I want your tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. He says, I want your tongue. Then he answers our eyes. 
He says, if the light in your eyes is darkness, how great is the darkness? He says, I want your eyes to see that your eyes have real light. Then he wants our ears so that we do not become. There are different kinds of ears, different kinds of tongue. Jesus had an instructed tongue. We have what Bible says, the idle and the careless tongue. Morning by morning you awakened me. I did not turn back as one rebellious. Therefore you gave me the tongue of the instructed. He says, that's the tongue I want you all to have. Don't turn away from me morning by morning like a rebel. Instead submit, come under the authority of my word and be taught of my spirit. You will have an instructed tongue that will have a word for the weary. Instructed tongue. He wants us to have hearing ears. All those who have ears, let them hear. But scripture says there are many who are hard of hearing. Then in the last days, many will have what? Itching ears. Itching ears. In the church, not outside. Itching ears. They're forever looking to see what is somebody feeding me that feeds my flesh. And they will go through those itching ears. Hard of hearing. Itching ears. Bible talks about all these things. These are the instruments of a righteousness. Offer. Present your bodies. Present your bodies. He says present. You have to offer. I have to offer. Every day, each day, willingly offer. When we fall again, repent and come back. And he says, offer your bodies. Let's keep that, Romans 12.1. Offer your bodies. Present your bodies as what? A living, 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 living. That's important. God wants a living sacrifice. Remember there are two sides to this. One is of God, the other is of us. Everything about our God, unlike other gods, is living. He is not dead, though sometimes people act like Jacob and that he is dead. He is not dead. Even those who sing, he is not dead. He is alive, act as if he is dead. He is not deaf. The way you hear some people repeat the same prayer for 30 years, you would think he is deaf. He is not blind. He is not mute. He is living. He is living. Whether it comes to his kindness, or whether it comes to his severity, He's living. Pastor Vijay preached a couple of Sundays back, if I'm right, on the heart, evil heart of unbelief. What is the problem of that evil heart of unbelief? The next verse in chapter Hebrews. What is the problem with the evil heart of unbelief? How do you know whether I have an evil heart of unbelief? Because the evil heart of unbelief departs from the living God and rests in religion. The religion called Judaism or Christianity. In religion, the focus is on good works where the honor is to man. In faith, the focus is on God where the honor is to God. That's why we get upset when somebody doesn't say you are so great. Oh, you are so kind, you are so charitable. Why? Because the focus is on religion. 
problem with the evil heart of unbelief is it doesn't depart from religion. Actually you become more religious. But it departs from the living God. Departs from the living God. That's why I said last Sunday, we ourselves do not know what is good or evil. It's God only who can say what is good, what is evil. Unless we learn to live our lives before God and stand before God, we will not be able to even speak good. Because it will look like evil. The Lord whom before whom I stand. Who is saying this? Elijah. To whom? King Ahab. He says, until the word comes of my mouth, it will not rain in this land. Is it good or evil? Is it good or evil? It is good. Nobody will see it as good. Everybody will see it as evil. The next three and a half years, there is going to be drought and famine and death in Israel. But God says it is good. And you are the only man in Israel who will see it as good from my eyes and speak it out. That's why I said, servants of God need to be very very careful that they hear from God so that the people are given what God says is good, not what you think is it's good. That's what it's talking about, the evil heart of unbelief. Why? It takes you away from the living God. Hebrews 11.6 says it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith it is impossible to please Him for he who comes to God must believe that He 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 Do you know grammar? Not He was or He will be. He is today. He is still living. So better listen carefully. You are not listening to me. You are listening to Him. He is. Not He was. He is. If I do not believe that he is now, today, I haven't pleased him. I haven't pleased him at all because I think God was a God will be, but God is not. God is not. Joseph could have said that. God used to watch me in Israel, but now that I'm in Egypt, he doesn't watch me. God is. Even now, he is. It is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. Without faith, because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. The reason so many people who gather in churches around the world go back untouched by the spirit of the living God is they really do not believe and act like that is really living. Living. It's now. It is like a live broadcast you're watching on TV, not on the internet. You know the difference, right? Internet is two minutes late. If you're watching TV and the internet, you know the six is already over here, bat is only going up. It's not the same. He's living. Live. Now. Now. Just read a few few portions in scripture. Second Corinthians chapter six sixteen. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Of the living God. You are the temple of the? Not just that plaque in our house. Jesus is the head of this house. The listener to every conversation. Really? Did you hear what you said yesterday? Did you really believe he was living and listening? Did we believe? Living. 
I will dwell in them, walk among them. It's living. First Timothy 3.15 But if I am delayed, yeah, delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. You need to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Church means ecclesia. Ecclesia means a set of separated people of the living God. The pillar and the ground of truth. Living God. Hebrews 10.31 It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Living God. Living. That's what it means in Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. What does it mean? You don't stop. Why? Because you know he's living. I ask my wife sometimes, honey, I called you. She said, no, you didn't. I said, check your phone. 18 missed calls. What does it mean? Why did he keep her calling 18 times? Because I know she's living. I'm not trying to call a dead person. I'm calling a living person. And I know that person. Okay. Do we keep asking like that? Do we keep seeking like that? Do we keep knocking like that, knowing the person on the other end is living? And he will pick the call one day. Not that he hasn't heard. He has heard. But he's waiting for something on this side to fall right. Is he living? Or is he a dead God? That's how Joseph, Jacob lived. Oh, is this the robe of your son? It is got blood. He looked at it and said, Oh, Joseph, my son is dead. I don't want to live anymore. 21 years living like a dead man. Joseph is dead. Well, Joseph is thriving in the throne of Egypt. Preparing to rule Egypt. And then 21 years later, when they come with their tails behind their legs, they come and say, Father, Joseph is alive. Scripture says, Jacob rose up. That's how believers live. Joseph is alive. Our Joseph died and rose again and is seated on the throne. He's alive. But people live as if he's dead. Is he alive? Is he living? He's a living God. That is his part. Never forget our God, unlike other gods, is a living God. What does it mean? It means he means what he says and he says what he means. He doesn't bend his word. He doesn't change his word. He always says what he means. From everlasting to everlasting, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. For good or bad, he is the same. In kindness or severity, he is the same. He doesn't change. He is living. That is his side. What about our side? Scripture says he present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He does not want a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. What does it mean from my side and your side? Romans 8 and verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. He says, if you come to me carnally minded, Lord, our prayer requests, most of them are very carnal, okay? At least here it's getting spiritual. But I have go every place, you have to hear testimonies of people in churches, you want to laugh. It's as carnal as it can get. To be carnally minded is 
Lord, I surrender to you, Lord, for ministry. Make me greater than Benihin. Oh, really? Really? Every young person has come to me and says, Pastor, God is calling for ministry. I tell them, what do you see? What do you see? When you say ministry, what do you see? What do you see? Ah, this crowds, this hand, this lights. I said, no, go get a job. Carnally minded. Carnally minded. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. The son of man does not have a place to lay his head. The servant cannot be greater than his masters. When we follow him, we follow him with no conditions. Because when he left his father, he left with no conditions. How living are we? So in the new covenant, what is death? Death is to be carnally minded. Where are your thoughts today? Are we harboring envy, bitterness, anger, hatred towards anybody? Doesn't matter what they did to us. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant in the kingdom. Like Pastor Sharon said over here, if God forgave me, then what right do I have to withhold forgiveness? You forgive me is one thing. God forgiving me is another thing. I have sinned against you. You have sinned against me. So we are equal. But he forgiving me, that's a different question altogether. That's what scripture says. Forgive one another as God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. That's what he asks. He's not saying forgive each other like you are usually used to forgiving each other. He didn't say that. He says forgive each other as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. Are we carnally minded? Whom do we serve? Living or dead. Whom do we serve? Romans 16 and verse 18. For those who do such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. I believe that's one of the reasons pastors have big bellies. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. They serve their own belly. If I were to flatter people for the last eight and a year, these offering bags would have been full. Church would have been full, packed. Even in this city, I know how many hundreds, probably in thousands, listen to my messages online because they're afraid to come here. But regularly, faithfully listen to messages more faithfully than you, including pastors. doesn't matter as long as they listen and they are transformed not reformed, transformed praise God, right whom do we serve in Philippians chapter 3 18 to 19 scripture says for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of not Christ the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly We thought only in India you had gods with big bellies. No, even in the Bible, 
that God is their belly. Like I said before the fall, everything was good. But once Adam and Eve partook of that fruit and the knowledge of good and evil came, everything was tainted by evil. Everything. At the end of the six days of creation, God said it is good. Family was good. Relationship was good. Food was good. Water was good. Sex was good. Everything was good. But after the fall, everything is tainted with evil. Therefore, we need discernment to choose in every area what is good and avoid evil. Don't take anything in life lightly as you grow in the Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Because to be carnally minded is death. In Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 and 13, Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews, maybe Paul says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he say, baby. Can I have the next verse also? 14 also. He say, baby. If you are only eating and drinking the milk of the word of God and are not able to go into the meat, not for knowledge but for life. Not able to go into the meat of the Bible. What happens? For solid food belongs to those who are of full age, of maturity. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Their senses, spiritual senses have been exercised by the Spirit of God through the word of truth that they are able to distinguish what is evil, what is good and choose good and avoid evil. That's that's how we grow in the Lord. Can we handle strong meat? Have our senses been exercised by reason of use? The meat of the word of God? That's what God is talking about. He wants a living, not a dead sacrifice, a living. Otherwise, we will be caught in this monotony of religion. What did you do? I went to church on Sunday, came back, went Wednesday and came back, and Thursday when you came back, Saturday came back. But deep inside, nothing is happening further. Movement ahead. Why? Because the meat is not being digested. It's religion. You can do the same things, yet deeper inside you know something else is happening. He wants a living, not a dead sacrifice. A body you have prepared for me, O God. I have come to do your will. Do your will. Therefore it is difficult to please me. How much more difficult it is to please God. Young children at GSS, remember the skit you put up on Tuesday? Did you notice I was the only one who did not clap? I was not looking at your performance. I was looking at your faces and your clothes and your dress and your dances. And one thing I knew, you love the world. You love the world. If these restrictions were taken off and you were released into the world, what power do you have to resist it? What power? Nothing. And I fear for you. Because you are not growing in the world in which I grew up. It's much more wicked. Much, much more evil. The kind of evil we never knew existed. Never knew existed. Do you have the power to resist? 
forget overcome. We don't love the world. We don't even, when we present things before believers, we don't have to present anything of the world. Nothing. Nothing of the world. We have nothing to do with the world. Nothing. Always think in the light of scripture and Christ and his kingdom. Like that's what I said. To whom much is given, much is required. Much, much is required. Much, much is required. Much. God will demand much from you because you have been mentored in the word for eight years. Much. He doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. What does he want? A living. And next, what does he want? A sacrifice. Present. First you have to present. It is voluntary. Next he wants it. Living. Third it wants. He wants a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, if you look, nobody really offered a sacrifice. Because the sacrifices were always bulls, sheep, doves, animals. Hebrews 9.25, scripture says in Hebrews 9, not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. How do you call it sacrifice? If I take your money and put it in the offering bag, how does it become my sacrifice? The high priest is going with fear and trembling in the holy place with the blood of another. Not his blood. Is that a real sacrifice? No. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the age, he has offered to put away sin, the sacrifice of himself. That sacrifice. The new covenant sacrifice is different. The new covenant, old covenant sacrifice, I have set apart my firstborn for the Lord. In the new covenant, you set apart yourself for the Lord before you set apart your firstborn. Old covenant was easy, firstborn. Set apart for the Lord and you continue living your life. Oh, in the new covenant, God says, I want you. You first. And all that belongs to you. Christ did not come with the blood of another. He came. With the blood of himself. He himself was the sacrifice. The new covenant is a sacrifice of self. Sacrifice of self. We are free. Church, don't ever misunderstand. We are free. Christ set us free. Why? Because only free people can choose. Slaves cannot choose. Which slave can choose? Can he choose? No, he belongs to another. He has no power to choose. We are free. God did not tell Israel in Egypt, choose this day whom you will serve. Did he say? No. First through his mighty hand, he set them free, brought them out of Egypt, fed them in one of, gave them water to drink from the rock, then brought them to himself. Then he said, I said before you, life and death, you are free people, choose whom you want to serve. He never came to you and to me when we were slaves to sin and perishing in our darkness, told us choose. He said, first, let me save you from sin and make you a free man. Once we are free men, he says, choose whom you will serve. Only free people can choose. Slaves never choose. Slaves never choose. He set you and me from the penalty of sin and the power of death. 
Now he says, what will you choose? What will you choose? Do you know how the new covenant begins? Four gospels, the book of Acts, and then the epistles begin. Romans 1, one, Paul, Paul, a free man of the Roman Empire. The centurion said, you are a Roman citizen. I had to pay a huge price to get my citizenship. How did you get? He says, I was born free, a Roman, but a born slave of Jesus Christ. Born free as an Indian, born slave of Jesus Christ, are you? Are you? Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ. What did we use of our freedom to choose? The first 13 episodes written by a born slave who was a free man. Then you have Hebrews. And after Hebrews comes, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. After Hebrews comes James, the brother of Jesus. James 1.1. I, James, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Not brother, not apostle, not teacher, not pastor, bond servant. Then comes the chief of the apostles. After that is Peter. Second Peter, chapter 1, 2, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. What is the difference between a servant and a bond servant? In under the law of Israel, when a man was a slave had sold himself for slavery to pay off a debt, when he had finished that seven years and he could be free, and he says, I don't want to be free, I want to willingly serve you master for the rest of my life. The master took him to the public, put his ear against the against the wall and put an awl or a chisel through his ear. After that he became a bond servant meaning willingly I have become your slave though I have the freedom to walk away. That is the term. You and I have the freedom to walk away. God is not saying you should serve him. He says I have set you free. Will you serve me? Paul, bond servant. James, bond servant. Peter, bond servant. Next epistle. Jude, another half-brother. Jude, a bond-servant of Jesus Christ. Half-brother. Jude, bond-servant of Jesus Christ. Next one, Revelation 1.1. One, one. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant, John. Aren't you the one who leaned on his chest? Yes. Who are you? Servant. Every one of them knew they were set free to serve him and they willingly become a living sacrifice. That is the gospel. That is the gospel that sets you free where you don't go back serving sin and the devil again. This is the one that sets you free. What did you get Paul out of being serving Jesus Christ? Well, I was beheaded. And James History says he was thrown from a hundred foot wall and clubbed to death. And Peter was crucified upside down. And Jude was axed to death. Why did you receive it? Because I am a bond servant. The master is free to do with my body as he pleases. When I gave myself over, I set no conditions. Because when he gave himself over, he set no conditions. The gospel that sets you free. 
what did it cost us to serve God? How much are we willing to give up to serve Him, to worship Him? There is a natural beginning and a progression in journey of this faith. If you are growing in the Lord, you are not giving less, you are giving more. You are not giving less, you are giving more and more and more until there is nothing left. In Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 6 towards the end of his life, Paul says, I am already being poured out as a drink sacrifice. That is an old covenant on the altar. When they poured the drink sacrifice, they poured the whole thing out. He said, did you know the old covenant drink sacrifice? He said, that was my life. I poured out my life as a sacrifice before God. Now only little is left. My time for departure is near. My whole life, I poured it out before him. This is real. This is a living God. And these are living servants. And there's enormous joy in this. That's why Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I tell everywhere, when I meet pastors, I tell pastors one thing. I look them in the eye and say, as you grow older, be used more and not less. That is the principle in the kingdom. Not the other way. Don't be put up on the shelf. He will put you on the shelf if you have kept away parts of your life from him. He says, okay, used you thus far, now stay away. No way. I am being poured out till the end. John said his life was over. He thought, I am finished. I am old. I can't even hardly walk. I have been abandoned and exiled to this age island called Patamos and scripture says on the Lord's day I was in the spirit worshipping when he thought everything was over God said John it's not over it's beginning you are coming to the high point of your ministry arise come and write generations will read the book of revelation and prepare for my coming write John write write you don't get bitter with age you get better You don't get used less by age. You get used more. Oh no. Don't hold back anything from God, church. Don't hold back anything. He is worthy. If he, if you believe in the cross, you will not hold anything back. This is Christmas season. We don't want colored paper under our Christmas trees. We want to bring color in his eyes by offering our lives to him back. This Christmas, say, Lord, I want to give you my whole self. Nothing but my whole self. The whole self. Whole self. This is an individual call. This is not a corporate call. Because these calls can be obeyed only by individuals. That is why right from Genesis all the way to Revelation, if you go through the thread of the Bible, God has used only individuals and not crowds. Because the call of God is responded by individuals in the crowd, not the crowd by itself. It's not possible. It's an individual call. It's an individual response. So he says, offer yourself. I beseech you, brethren. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Did he stop there? 
holy and acceptable. Holy. Go back to Romans 12, 1, okay? Always. Holy. It's just need that you become a living sacrifice. It should be holy. Holy. What does holy mean in the terms of sacrifice? The connection is this. You're being offered as a sacrifice, so you should be holy. In the new covenant, old covenant, it was very, you, only when you understand the old covenant, you will understand the new covenant, what is spiritual implications. In the old covenant, nothing could be offered to God as a sacrifice unless he had termed it as clean. He divided all creatures into clean and unclean. And he said, only offer me clean, do not offer me unclean. Please don't ever think because we know John 1.17, grace, law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, therefore the law was known only from the time of Moses. No, they all knew the law. The ones who were before Moses, God revealed his law. You cannot walk with God and not know the law. Can you walk with the judge without understanding judgments? What do you think the judge is talking about? Movies? The judge comes back home, what will be telling his wife? Do you know what happened in the court today? It was this case, this case, and this case. By the time she's been married to him for 25 years, he will give, she will give him good advice, legal advice. You should have passed verdict like this, like, because she knows the law without ever having gone to law school. They all knew. Enoch knew. Noah knew. Did Noah know? Then how come when he came out of the ark? Genesis 8. When he came out of the ark, what did he do? Yeah, that's the next one, right? Isn't it the next one? Yeah, Genesis 8.20. Quick, quick, quick with the next. Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offering. If God wouldn't have told him what is clean and unclean, how does he offer clean birds and clean animals? Did you know? But we think it was told in the book of Leviticus. No, Noah knew. Did Abraham know? Genesis 15 and verse 9. And he said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Everything God asked Abraham is a clean one. I don't want any unclean offerings over here. Nothing unclean. Only clean. Clean and unclean. Interesting. Now let us get, take that microscope or what you call that. Lens and look at it a little detail from Leviticus. People run away from Leviticus. Don't run away from Leviticus unless you want to miss out on a lot. Leviticus, no, 11, 11, 11. Verses 1 to 7. 11 verses 1 to 7. Levitate means to rise up in the air. If you spiritually want to rise up, read Leviticus. No, just a joke, okay? Don't start trying to go home and try all these tricks. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. There are so many animals on the earth. Don't eat everything. Don't become like Nagaland. Nothing is left. Verse 3 onwards. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hoofs and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Two things he said very clearly. One, the hoof should be cloven, divided, and they should chew cud. Both. 
It's very clear. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves, the camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves. You look at the camel and says, it is chewing. Ah, oh, I can eat his weight. Check his feet. It does not have cloven hooves. It's unclean to you. Then five, the rock... Hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. People love rabbit meat. And the swine. Swine. <laughs> swine. Remember the swine? Though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, it is unclean to you. That is the physical Levitical law. He says, be careful. Both. You should have cloven hooves and you should chew the cud. Chew the cud. When does the cow or these animals chew the cud? What do they first do? They eat and eat and eat. Then they sit down and chew the cud. Psalm 119 verse 148. My eyes are awake throughout the night watches that I might meditate on your word. I read your word. I listened to your word on Sunday. But now I am lying there and chewing the cud. What is there going through? What do you people, children, actually think? Honestly, what do you think? Do you think the word, in your dreams, do you dream worldly dreams? Not worldly, worldly dreams. Meditate upon my word, chewing the cud. Meditate upon my word over and over and over and over. That is what is clean. Our minds should be occupied with the word so that we can be at peace. Why? Because our minds are occupied usually. Three things. Minds are occupied usually with thoughts of those whom we are in love with if you are young or if you are angry with or problems that concern us. These three things. That's why Jesus said love God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. His thoughts will consume your thoughts and my thoughts. But he said that's not enough. That's not enough. Chewing the cut is not enough. You need to have a life of Separation divided. Life of separation. It is not enough to meditate upon the word. It should lead to separation on your feet. Your feet should start separating itself from the places where Christ won't come with you. It has to separate itself from the world. If we do not separate ourselves from the world, but only meditate upon the word day and night and listen to the word day and night and minister to the word day and night and listen to the greatest apostle ministering during day and night, we will end up as it is written in Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me having loved this present well, was Demas Paul's co-worker? Yes. Did he minister? Yes. Did he know the epistles? Yes. Did he hear all the preaching? Yes. Did he meditate upon it? Yes. Was his feet cloven? No. 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 They go back to the world. Their 
therefore he turned aside and went. So God says, you offer, first you offer, present yourself. A living sacrifice, which is holy, which is holy, which means clean in God's sight. What does it mean? That you meditate upon God's word of God and it leads to a separation in your life from to unto, from the world unto God, from the world unto God. It leads to a separation. And then finally, it should be, Romans 12, 1, holy and acceptable. It should be acceptable. It's not enough that it is holy. Lord, a people in the old covenant brought clean animals before God. I brought a bull, I brought a sheep, I brought a lamb, I brought this, I brought this, I brought this. By the time it comes to the end of the old covenant in Malachi, God is so upset. Not just angry, he's heartbroken with their clean offerings. In Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, a son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts to you, priests who despise my name. Yet to say, in what way have you despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have you defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, what has happened? What has happened? Ah, now they are looking at this. Okay, in this flock, God said He wants a sheep. This sheep is blind. It is useful for useless for nothing. Let me give it to the Lord. Is that how we give to God? Just think, just think, just think, just think. Is that how we give it to God? Did we give to God? Things in our life which was of no more use to us. He brought clean things. Of course they were all clean. They chewed the cut and they were separated. But they were not acceptable. Acceptable. Did we? Ask. I don't know. You see, this is the purpose of the ministry of God. That's what he's saying. Offer it to your governor. He's saying, offer it to your boss tomorrow. Offer it to your boss tomorrow. Go. Go to your boss at whenever you please. Go to your office whenever you please. Church begins at 9, 9.15 is okay. Go to office tomorrow. Though I joke, Put the old note here. It's fine. Try it in your office tomorrow. Why? Because it costs you to stand in the queue for God. But it will cost, you will stand there for your boss. It doesn't affect me. I will stand in the queue and change it still. But it costs you. That's why I was telling the worst thing that happened because of this one decision of this government to demonetize, to pull out 1,500 has revealed the heart and the soul of India. Because there 
earlier before november the 11th we knew only some people has corrupt but today everybody has become corrupt the poor are standing in the line to change the black money of the white into rich all are corrupt the soul of india has been revealed we are corrupt as a nation that's the worst thing that has happened and the prime minister is saying there ha ha are in the rich now coming to you so that you can stand in the line for them are you supposed to be proud about that that we have become a nation of corrupt people our soul has been revealed don't blame india don't blame the hindu the muslim the church has failed we were supposed to be a city on the hill we are no city on the hill no city we love the world more than them we change faster with the world before the hindu can pick a sandal or the muslim have come we have changed our entire wardrobe we love the world more than them therefore we have no testimony left before the world that's the truth we wife for careers and wife for positions in this world more than them and we call it as blessings of god when god said seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness i will do the adding we said no we will do the grabbing you don't do the adding oh the gospel of the kingdom of god is different church it's different it's not what we think so don't get discouraged you see this is the purpose of the ministry of the word of god In Ephesians 5 verses 25 to 29 Jesus says husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church gave himself for her so that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word why do we come here to be cleansed to be sanctified thank god like the old testament when our sin is revealed we don't have to go back and kill one more bull he has for once and for all offered everything god demands so we can repent and go back to him and say lord forgive me and god says forgiven and change today that's the awesomeness of the gospel and he sanctifies he cleanses us through the ministry or the washing of the word it is he who does it scripture says so that he might sanctify cleanse her yeah and with man that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that he should be holy and without blemish acceptable who does it he does it through the ministry of the word and through the power of the holy spirit he does it you and i'll never be holy enough or acceptable before god if the ministry of the word stops the purpose of the ministry of the word is that husbands sanctify your wives husbands love your wives love your wives what's the purpose of the ministry jesus is the husband the word of god and the church is the wife and jesus is forever sanctify and cleansing his wife through the ministry of the word when the wife receives the word and allows the word to work in her it is in this context first corinthians 14:33 to 35 scripture says For God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints let your women keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak for they are to be submissive as the law also says 
And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Boy, people go wild over these verses. Oh, he's a misogynist. Paul got it not right. This is Paul's opinion. Understand the spiritual truth. God says, the problem lies in the family. Men, husbands, your job is to meditate upon the word day and night and be separated and then sanctify your wife through the ministry of the word. Wife, your job is to receive the ministry of the word from your husband and be cleansed so that he can present you to himself. But you know, this is my personal experience. Over 25 I have seen even among pastors. Almost every pastor's wife I have seen down the ages in different places. The pastor's wife won't listen to the pastor's message. She will not. She will listen to everybody's message except his. Everybody's. Yet God says you can listen to everybody's message for all your life. It will not really sanctify you because you did not listen to your husband's message. He was the one who was supposed to sanctify you. So God is telling women, you know what? When you come to church, you have so many doubts. You are running to all the other men asking, what is this? Go ask your husband. He is the one who sanctifies you first. Without asking him at home, you come to the church and running around clearing your doubts. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because you're already showing you don't want to learn. You will not submit. And if you don't submit, how will you learn? Because my son said, a body you have given me. Oh Lord, I have come to do your will. Ask. And the problem lies with the men too. The men don't study the word. They don't meditate upon the word. And when they talk, it is nonsense. God says, that's not what you are supposed to be. You are meant to be men of the word. Men of the word. Meditate upon the word. Learn the word. Take spiritual leadership in your in your home. And then speak. And wives, he said, receive. Because when he sanctifies you, you are a blessing to him first, not to others. That's what Christ does. He sanctifies us, cleanses us, makes us holy, blemishless, spotless for what? To present the church back to himself. This is scripture. This is scripture. Don't get offended. That is the, like I said, nut and bolt. Okay? Nut and bolt. You remember the nut and bolt? Everything is nut and bolt. The nut is there. The bolt is there. The nut is there. If the nut goes off, everything falls off. So the ten commandments. The nut is that thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first one. Held together by the last one. What is that? Thou shalt not cover. You take this off, everything falls off. This holds it together. The fruit of the Holy Spirit starts with love, ends with self-control. Once self-control goes, everything else falls off. In the same way, how many beatitudes are there? The problem is there is a hidden beatitude which we don't see among the beatitudes. Be, first one is the key. What is? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then, 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 blessed are those who, blessed are you when you are persecuted, insult, all that. That has come to the ninth one. Ninth B in that list. There is a tenth one later. What is that? Blessed is he who is not offended because of my word. That is the key. Blessed is the poor in the spirit. Blessed is he who is not offended by the 
word. You know why most people fall away? Because of offense. They got offended by the word. Even his own disciples were offended by Jesus' words and they all left him. So you want to hold your life, spiritual life together, Lord. Keep me poor in the spirit and guard my heart from offense when I hear your word. Doesn't matter from whom. So don't get offended. But this is the problem God is talking about. Do you remember Auntie Rebecca in the Bible? Not here. In the Bible. Did she have a wonderful husband called Mr. Isaac? Did she listen to his word? No. Do you remember Auntie Rachel? Did she listen to her husband? No. Do you remember Moses' wife, Mrs. Zipporah? Did he bring the law? But she was a law unto herself. Do you remember Samuel? Why do you think his sons go and went wayward? The man who judged the whole country for years could not judge his own home, I believe, because his wife wouldn't receive his message. What about David and his wives? Except probably for Bathsheba, who guarded his word in her heart and protected Solomon from rebellion. It is there throughout the Bible. Husbands, sanctify your wives by the ministry of your word. Wives, receive that ministry and become holy are acceptable. Why do I say all this? Because God is a family man. God is not creating an organization. He is creating a family. He is creating a family and is waiting for the wedding of his firstborn son. Learn. Because it's a form of spiritual adultery. When men don't sanctify their wives because they don't want to work in the word, they're so lazy. And wives won't listen to the message of their husband, they will listen to every other man's message. Whether it is on TV or internet, it doesn't matter. If you do not listen to the message preached by your husband, no other message will bless you. That's God's order. If your husband preaches, not shouts. Because most of our problems are connected with the word man and woman. So as we close, final verse. First Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. God says, if you don't offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, God says, be sure, I will destroy your body so your spirit can be saved. I'm not going to let go of you. I redeemed you with a price. I redeemed you with a price. Don't you think I will let go of you so easily? And that's why scripture says, many of you are weak and sick and asleep because you did not judge yourself in the light of the word. In the light of the word. Don't take it for granted today's strength because you are young. A day is coming when you should be able to say like Caleb to Joshua, I am as strong today as the day Moses sent me to search out the land. How many years ago was that, Caleb? 43 years ago. I am still as strong in the inner man. You get stronger and stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. Therefore, offer your body's church as a living sacrifice, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Amen? We got five minutes to close, so shall we pray.
Father, we just thank you, Lord. Shall we stand? We just thank you, we just thank you, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, we just thank you, we just thank you. I just thank you, Father. I just praise you, Father, that you have never left us without a witness. We learn from your son. Your son is revealed through your scriptures by your spirit. There is no other life we need to imitate more than your life, O Lord. That's why your scripture says as we run this race, keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. This morning, teach us. Teach us. We are in the twelfth month of this year, the final month. A new year is coming. I pray, Father, each one here today in your house, later when they go home, will dedicate their lives back to you. Offer themselves, all of us, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, to receive as good what your spirit shows as good, to reject as evil, Whatever your spirit says, doesn't matter how good it looks to our eyes. But to reject it. So that we can be a people who are acceptable and pleasing in the Father's eyes. Teach us, Lord. Prepare us, Lord. Empower us, Lord. We cannot do this in our strength. But we can do this in your strength. As we sang this morning, when we are weak, We are strong in you. Help us to be weak in our opinions. Weak in our desires. Weak in our lusts. And be strong in you, Lord. In you. To please you. To please you, Lord. Let it be the foremost desire in our hearts, Father. Rekindle that desire in us to please you. Your word says without faith. It is impossible to please God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Help us to be a set of obedient, loving, kind, compassionate people who walks with God. Therefore, they are able to love man. Thank you. As we go into this new month, go before us, Lord. We need you, Lord. What lies ahead, we do not know. Our assurance is in you and in your promises that you would go before us. Straighten every crooked path before us, Lord. Know that, not that we could walk on smooth highways. No, Lord, not that. Then that would be a carnal desire. Make those crooked paths straight, O Lord, so that the Prince of Glory would come into our lives with even more power. For that reason and that reason alone, Lord. So that we might experience you more and more. Not ease and comfort in this world. But you, you more and more, Lord. Straighten those crooked paths. Soften those rough roads. Bring down every raised mountain. Fill out every deep valley. So that you can come into our lives more and more. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I bless your people in your name. May they be blessed when they go out. May they be blessed when they come in. 
Let them be a blessing to this nation, O Lord. We are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.